0: welcome back to real talk i'm your host pastor jesse and this is a bible line audio exclusive that's only going up on our podcast uh format so if you're on spotify google podcasts wherever you hear iHeartRadio, radio by the way shout out to all of our iheart people you guys are about I mean, over half of our audience is listening on iHeart, but we are continuing our conversation on personal evangelism, and today we're going to start a series of episodes about the seven steps in presenting the gospel. I want to chat with you here for just a second. By the way, Real Talk, all things faith and practice. It's a little more uh, dressed down conversation. Um, We're just chatting here, and we'll see where this goes in the future, but We wanted to make sure that we added a little bit more content for those of you who listen on audio. This is the only place you can hear it is on the podcast. So it's a great way, or excuse me, it's a great reason to subscribe. So the seven steps, this, I want to talk about this before we get into the steps. Uh, When I got saved, I was saved at my dining room table and my uncle, Jeff Taylor, uh, he did not give me the seven steps of the gospel illustration. He pointed out that I was a sinner and, you know, I was a 12-year-old kid. I didn't need to be reminded of that. That wasn't news to me. <laughs> I knew that I was not a good kid. But he explained to me that the wages of my sin is death. So, you know, that's what I had earned was death, separation from God forever in a place called, called hell. None of this was new to me, but what was new to me was explained at the... The next point, you know, he said that Christ died on the cross to pay for all of my sin and that if I put my faith in him, I receive as a free gift everlasting life. And I put my faith in Christ right there. He did not tell me all seven steps of the gospel that I later learned um, at Calvary Community Church. He didn't show me the wall illustration here at Calvary. So Those things are not necessary for a person to trust Christ. However, they are helpful in communicating the truth. Illustrations are extremely important. I want you to think about movies, for example. Movies are carrying a message, right? A a message of redemption, a message of vengeance, a message of um, a hero's journey, all these different things. The movie is an illustration of that message, Okay, so it's good to know illustrations because it helps gets the point. Uh, it helps to get the point across. So when it comes to the seven steps, the first time that I was introduced to the seven steps, I thought that is golden. That 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 just that is from from takeoff to landing. It covers really everything that a person may need to know to get saved. Of course, it its most important aspect is on you need to put your faith in Christ alone apart from any good works that's that's where the salvation of that occurs but the explanation of sin the explanation of the wages of sin the expectation that is that is set that heaven is a perfect place you got to be perfect to get there you know that good works can't save you all of that is really good and then the the tail end of the seven steps presentation Um, How that once you're saved, you're saved forever. And there's verses that are used in proper context to help explain that point. So when I understood that there was an illustration that I could learn that would be helpful, dude, I ate that up. I wanted to know that illustration inside and out. And I knew the points of it, you know, I, I knew the different parts, but I didn't spend time Learning the the physical part of it, you know pointing to the hand the, the you know using whatever object to represent sin and all that And there's another story for that Maybe when we get to a couple of episodes, I m- might share it here But so when we're talking about sharing the gospel, right there, there are no seven steps necessarily to salvation God's not going to get uh, You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, all right, Marty here we are all right, you got point one, you got point two, three, and oh, you missed four. You got five, six, and seven, but you missed four, so you have to go to hell. <laughs> that's not that's not how that goes. Okay, so remember it's it's this is you know, all you have to do to get saved is to put your trust in Jesus Christ for the payment of your sins. These are seven steps in the explanation of the gospel which will make it clear. And if you remember from two episodes ago on Real Talk, we talked about, you know. Soul winning is the art of making the gospel clear to the lost man. So let's be clear. And the seven steps is a way of clarity. It's a path of clarity. And so I had the gold page and you had the dark page and you had the red page and the white page and green page, all that stuff. And it, it was an illustration, albeit one that I, I don't traditionally use just because it's not something that I, that I use. But I, I have used it in the past, and it's still carrying the same message. How can we make the gospel clear? You know, if you just run up to a lost person and you start shouting at, at them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I mean, they may go, saved from what? And are you just going to repeat, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Saved from what? What did he do for me? Believe on what? You so, You know, all these things. Are natural that come up if we don't give enough information. So these seven steps, you know, they're steps of explanation for a clear reception. So let's talk about the first step. Okay. All are sinners, all are sinners. And how do we present this? Four quick thoughts here. Number one, friendliness begats friendliness. Okay. This is, this is why it's so important that we find favorable attention with people. If we are going to treat people with disrespect, why in the world would we expect them to respect our message? That is like uh, putting water in your gas tank and expecting it to power your vehicle. Okay. You you've got to use the proper tools. Friendliness begats friendliness. The second thing is animosity begats animosity. All right. So if you're going to be hot, you're going to be you know flying off the handle at people. Don't be surprised if they react in in like manner. This is where I, I sometimes, when it comes to street preaching, I cringe a little bit because there's a lot of animosity that's being used to try and reach people. There's a lot of shouting. There's not a lot of room. There's really no room for discussion. They're actually inviting all types of uh, confrontation. It's not my style. Can people get saved? Absolutely, there could be somebody walking by a street preacher hear enough about their need for a savior and and that jesus is that savior and that they put their trust in him They receive eternal life and that's great I just don't know if that's the case I know with the these steps There's a higher likelihood of somebody getting saved because of the clarity But friendliness begets friendliness animosity begets animosity and people generally respond the way they are approached and you want to avoid the acute angle, which is hammering home on a subject, you know, you are right on. Okay. Don't hammer on how wicked a person is. All he must know is that he is a sinner. People know that they are bad people. Okay. And, and, and this is important when you're talking about witnessing, you want to try to get along with people. If you're rude, sarcastic, unkind, people will not want to be around you. This is soul winning. So you you have to start with a love for people. And I was was just talking about this a couple of weeks ago in one of my sermons that's on Bible line called Looking Up and how important it is that we need to love people. Jesus said in John 15 that people are going to know that we are of him by the way we love one another. And we've got to love the lost person. And there's a difference between loving somebody you know, and hating somebody. And people generally can tell the difference. Now, in our culture today, people equate love to acceptance. Love is equated to tolerance. And I'm not here promoting that message at all. Okay. Sin is sin. But I'm instructed to love that person. I do that by getting the gospel to them. The likelihood that I witness to somebody that I hate is lower. Than witnessing to somebody that I love. And if you want to try and win the soul, you got to love the person that you're trying to reach. You start doing things to win them. If you don't have love, you'll try to avoid the responsibility. Just remember this the command is to to witness, the purpose is to win. are Are you going out of your way to try and win somebody? Are you presenting the best version of yourself? Are you walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh? It's only love ultimately for the Lord and then for the for another person that's going to motivate you to be disciplined. You know, this is very, very important when we're talking about soul winning, especially if you're going to look at somebody and say, you know, we're all sinners. And the important thing we need to realize from that is that may be a hard message for someone to receive. Okay, well, can we say it in a way that's, you know, respectful how do we do that? I'll tell you how to do it. When you look at somebody and, you know, here for example, this is how I may start a conversation. When I would go Friday night soul winning, usually I would open up like this. If you could know today that when you die, you'd go to heaven, would you like to know? Most of the time people say, yeah, I'd like to know. Great. So then I tell them, I'm going to show you this illustration. I'll just take a few moments to explain to you how you can know that you'll go to heaven when you die. And then when I say we're all sinners, I don't look at them and like hammer that point home and overemphasize it, okay? The Bible says we're all sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned, all of us do things wrong. What have you done in that example? You've included yourself, not putting yourself over the person you're trying to win, okay? And a lot of times this is what people miss, right? They have such an elevated view of themselves because they're out there like, man, I'm out here doing the Lord's work. It's so good. And I read my Bible today and I've been to church for 51 out of 52 weeks. And then they go and talk to the lost man and it's like, you're a sinner. It's like, well, dude, you're a sinner too. You should probably include that. The Bible says we have all sinned. Okay, I've sinned. You've sinned. All of us do things wrong. You have now put yourself... There's there's something in common now with the person that you're trying to reach. It's not you versus them, okay? They're they're no longer focusing on uh, what you're doing. They're they're like, okay, we both have this problem, you know. So think of it this way too. Think of it that you guys are going on a walk, okay? You're the conversation is a walk. So the the you're only going on a walk with somebody if you're walking in the same direction. If the person you're walking with turns around and goes the other way. Y'all aren't walking in the same direction anymore. You're not on the walk together. Okay, so if you include them in this discussion and you put yourself in the same boat that they are in, we're moving together now. We're, we're walking through these points together. So this will help you avoid arguments too, especially when it comes to we've all done things wrong. I guarantee you, unless someone's being a smart aleck, which is very, very possible. You know, you run into people all the time that just want to poke fun and discourage you and, and don't let that discourage you. You know, keep your head up, trust the Lord, be true to the message and, and let people make their decisions. Well, you rarely are going to find somebody that says, no, nah, I've never done anything wrong. No, I'm, I'm a perfect person. You're not going to find that because everybody knows uh, whether it's deep down inside or whether it's on the surface level, we all do things wrong. And when you include yourself in that, the likelihood to get into an argument later is less. But you want to avoid those arguments. And they can happen. Uh, God has told us uh, that we need to be messengers, not necessarily like attorneys trying to argue points. Most people lose that person they're trying to witness to because they argue. And I've seen this, especially in younger Christians, and I'm going to say it too, in younger men. It's like we're waiting. And I say we, because I used to be this way. I I don't think I'm this way anymore, but it used to be like, you're waiting for the one thing that they say that proves to you that they don't understand the gospel. Right. And then you just, you, you rip into that point. And even though you may do it in a respectful tone, it just totally turns them off. I mean, I cringe now. I really do. I really do cringe at some of the things that I did. Uh, When it comes to arguing in soul winning, in some of those cases, the argument was able to come down in intensity and the person was able to put their faith in Christ. But I'm telling you, that was probably one or two times. Most of the times when an argument would happen and I would be like looking for the argument and welcoming it, it led to them holding their position firmer than they did before. And I'm ashamed of that. I really am because it's a missed opportunity. That doesn't mean like I'm I'm just like soft all the time, you know, like I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get into an argument because sometimes you will. It's naturally If if the person is teaching a false doctrine and you're teaching the truth. I mean, there's going to come a point where there may be some contention because one of you is saying to the other, that's wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. But don't go looking for that. Don't go, uh, you know, trying to intentionally poke and prod and and cause an argument. Because guess what? That's what you're gonna get, and that's all you're gonna get—an argument. And at the end of the day, you may win the argument, but you've missed the opportunity to win the soul. I, I would rather, I would rather get into a conversation where I have to deflect from a potential argument. And humble myself for the sake of winning that person. And and that has happened too in my soul winning experiences. I've deflected off of a clear baited question and moved back to the main part. I learned to do this. Like, hey, that's a good question. That was a good point that you bring up. I'll get back to that in a moment. Let me finish this point here because, you know, we're getting to the good part. And more often than not, people are satisfied with that. Because I think people realize like, "Mm, yeah, I was probably being a little uh, rude there. Not a good thing. But if we're talking about the first point, which is we're all sinners, you need to include yourself in that. And people will understand that. I I think a good verse for that, of course, is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then also James chapter 2 and verse 10 is very helpful. Because it says, for whosoever shall keep the law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Let me give you an illustration that might be helpful when you're telling this to somebody. When you're sharing this point with the lost man. You set the illustration like this. Imagine you are dangling off of a cliff. And the only thing that is keeping you from plummeting to your death is a chain that you're holding on. And there are ten links in the chain. Okay? That's the only thing that's keeping you from falling to your death. How many links in the chain have to break before you plummet? Okay, it's just one. You can tell them, does it matter at what point in the chain the link breaks? No, it could break at the top. It could break in the middle. It could break on the one that you're holding. But if the link breaks, the whole chain fails in purpose and you fall to your death, so is the same standard to attain God's righteousness. If you are guilty in one point of offense, then you're guilty of all. And this is a great way to illustrate to somebody, we are all sinners. And you include yourself in that. You've sinned, I've sinned, we've all offended God. We have broken his law. All right, that gets us to the second point. You know, once you've established the fact that we're all sinners, you've given James 2.10, you've given Romans 3.23, you now have to begin to elaborate on the problem. And, and this is what you're doing. The seven steps are a method of making the gospel clear to the lost man. But you have to set up, this is the problem, and now we're expounding on the problem. And by the way, you'll see this as we get closer throughout the completion of this part of real talk but when you are looking at the seven steps the first four steps there the first four points there it's all the bad news and then the last three points is the good news that solves the problem set up by the bad news so the second point is the wages of sin is death this is set up in romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I'm sharing this with you because as you are sharing this with other people, you may have questions that come up. But it's important to define your terms. Okay. What are what, what do we mean by death here? That word death means separation. Think about physical death, right? When you die, your soul is separated from your body. Okay. The, the body just becomes a shell of the person that used to be there. Okay. We, what you're hearing is my voice this is a part of my body working to communicate what my soul wants to communicate it's kind of a weird deep thought sometimes when you think of it in that way but my body is an animation of my soul when i die okay the soul is gone it'll either be in eternity with christ or in an eternity separated from him and that's the spiritual death and that is the wages of sin it's two phases Spiritual death, which was brought by disobedience in the garden. And then the second death, which is brought when a person dies and they've rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior, meaning they haven't put their trust in him for eternal life. Think of this verse here, Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. What is it that separates you from God? It's your sin. And when you're given this this part, of the seven steps you are putting whatever represents sin you're putting it on the hand that represents everybody else because this is what you're setting up all of us have sin and the wages of sin the payment for sin is death and that death is separation from god forever in a place called hell And this is very important. Revelation 20 and verse 14 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is eternal separation from God. In the next chapter, chapter 21 and verse 8 of the book of Revelation, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And this is important to recognize here that God... All sin separates us from God. It's not just a level of sin that we have to pass that then makes us condemnable to hell. It's just one, and that verse is pretty uh, clear on that. You know, it starts with the fearful, unbelieving, abominable. Right? I mean, the only abominable thing we know is the abominable snowman. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding, but you know, to think the next one there is murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers. I would say many people never accomplish that. They never really do that. Idolaters, but then it says, "and all liars." That's all of us. This is why, when we were talking about in the beginning here, you know, that first point, um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're we're including everybody there because we've all lied, we've all done things incorrectly, uh, we've all brought shame by disobeying what God has said is is right. But the now the important doctrine here is that there's a payment for that. The wages of sin is death. And and understand, too, if you use the word wages, I'm just speaking from experience here. Most of the time, people are not going to know what you mean by that. So you can use the word payment. Uh, or if you use the word wages, you can describe what it means. I have a friend who's, uh, you know, very up on using words that are in the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure you explain your terms. Because if you say a word that's in the Bible, but they don't know what you mean... Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's like me going to the junior class with five and six-year-olds and using big words like propitiation, sanctification, limited atonement, which is a Calvinist term, so I probably wouldn't use that. The word I was looking for there is atonement. But if it's if I'm using words that are but biblical, but they don't understand them, what's going on with that? So when you're explaining, you're moving from point to point because you're setting up a problem And then you will later give a solution for that problem. So that's where we'll kind of wrap it up for today. And next time we'll look into points three and four of the seven steps in making the gospel clear. I really pray that this is an encouragement to you. And like I said, with real talk, this is pretty much like laid back. So sometimes we got some stories involved here and there and, You know, the point of this is to have, you know, real conversations on all things faith and practice. And remember, it's your responsibility to be a soul winner. So it's also your responsibility to be prepared. And our ministry is dedicated to helping prepare you in any way. If you have a question about the Bible, something that you've heard in the past, send it to us. Questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. We have our YouTube channel with our short videos that we post every Friday. The, the least that we can do is get your question answered in a, in a text form. But then if we can, we'll make a video about it too. So I'm looking forward to getting your questions. I'm praying for you. I sincerely appreciate your support, especially all you iHeart folks out there driving over half of uh, our podcast listeners. So take care. God bless. This has been Real Talk with Pastor Jesse, and I'll see you next Wednesday at 3 p.m. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.